0: AFL show, part of the Mojo Sports Network.
1: Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Mojo Sports AFL show. I'm your host, Callum Dunk. Unfortunately, I've had to sub out a couple of panel members for tonight. Uh, Ash and Nathan weren't able to make it, but joining us off the bench and coming in as the super sub is Tom. Tom, how are you mate?
0: I'm good, Callum. Yeah, thanks for having me on. It's good to finally be able to uh, pitch in and hopefully I can uh, fill the very hefty shoes of the other boys.
1: Yeah, it was a really exciting weekend of footy. Uh, It started off with a bang with the Brisbane Lions uh, giving Richmond a good touch-up job. And then on Friday night, we travelled to Sydney to witness uh, a very inaccurate kicking game, Uh, let's just say that, between the Swans and the Cats. Dan Houston, Dan Houston breaks Bombers' hearts after the siren, and GWS get the upset win over the Demons in Alice Springs. So lots to talk about. Tom, how do you assess the weekend's round of footy, and is there anything that you're particularly uh, wanting to talk about this evening?
0: Yeah, it was was a good weekend of footy, an enjoyable weekend without being any sort of wild upsets or crazy swings like that. I found the um, obviously... Draws always exciting. I know that tends to divide footy fans a little bit, but I'm definitely on the um, draw as a result side of things. I always find it, particularly in a neutral game, like it is a quite an exciting thing to witness. So um, that was a good one on Friday night. It made it a pretty shabby game actually, you know, have some sort of talking point come out of it. Um, but I think for me there, the, the GWS Melbourne game was the, the biggest result. It keeps Melbourne sort of back with the pack, I suppose, that peloton of teams that we think, Probably aren't contending for the flag, and yet here they are Bulldogs, St Kilda, Adelaide, you know, all well and truly in the mix for top four with Melbourne slipping up again. On the other side of it, GWS keep their, um, you know, final soaps alive. I reckon two of the best wins, maybe in their history of the last couple of weeks, certainly since they've kind of dropped off premiership contention with that thumping win over Freo and then a good win over the D's. So I think the Giants are really impressing and, and well and truly in the mix for final eight.
1: Absolutely. And, uh... You know, we always talk about the, the Giants, you know, needing to be competitive in that Sydney market. And, and you know, the, the Swans have underperformed this year based on their grand final last year. So um, I feel like it's a really good thing. Uh, it's coming up to the, the Battle of the Bridge in the next couple of weeks. So, you know, if GWS can keep up their really good form um, and can try and stay in touch with the A, it makes it really exciting. And now they're in 10th position and only one game outside the eight, which not too many people would have sort of thought at the start of the year. I know Nathan was actually quite bullish on GWS and, and their improvement under Adam Kingsley, so we'll just have to wait and see. The ga- the game that I really wanted to talk about was uh, West Coast and St Kilda, and when you were seeing this game Sunday, 4-10 here in Adelaide, you're just like, oh... I'll just put it on as a bit of background sort of music and, you know, do some jobs around the house. Um, after getting flogged by 171 points the week before, you've got to give some credit to West Coast here uh, for, you know, showing up. Uh, they had two outs before the game. And whether they had Tim Kelly um, playing in that game, West Coast could have won. You know, you take a quality player like Tim Kelly out of most lineups and they are going to to suffer a little bit. And uh, I don't know if I was a Saints supporter, I'd just be a fraction nervous at the morning at the moment, like sure they got the win, but it wasn't the most convincing fashion. You've got lots of teams who are, you know, on the edge of the eight and, you know, still really pressing in for that spot. So if we look at the ladder now, we've got Fremantle on 28 points, DWS, as we just mentioned on 28 as well, the cats are still just outside the eight uh, with 30 points. You probably rule out uh, Gold Coast, you know, Sydney. If it wasn't for their 170-point, you know, win over West Coast, they wouldn't even be in the conversation. Then you look at the teams like Carlton, Richmond, Hawthorne, North Melbourne, and then West Coast. So, you know, there's probably, you know, five teams, I would probably say, fighting for, for two spots. So it's going to be really competitive in the next Few weeks, and we talk about those sort of eight point games when you can beat those teams who are, uh, you know, just around you on the ladder. It goes a long way to ensuring your spot. St. Kilda still in fifth position. Uh, they do, they'll probably do enough to get in the eight, but I'd probably still think they're probably in that seventh or eighth spot at the moment just because they were able to bank those early wins. And we talked about this earlier in the year. If you can bank those wins earlier in the year, it's going to make the second half of the season uh, so much better. I'm very happy as a Port Adelaide supporter after Dan Houston was able to send a rocket uh, 55, 60 meters at the MCG to get over the line and it takes Port Adelaide to, to 12 in a row. Tom, do you think that Port Adelaide after, you know, those couple of games early in the year where they dropped to Collingwood and they dropped a game to the Crows, they've been able to win 12 in a row. Do you see them being able to potentially upset Collingwood in a few weeks' time? And what do you think of Port Adelaide in terms of uh, finals aspirations? Because we haven't had your thoughts on Mm. uh, the top eight as we currently speak.
0: Yeah, well, no, I think I've been extremely impressed with Port Adelaide this year, and it's something that I've believed in for a few years now that, um, you know, teams that win premierships and particularly teams that come from outside the eight or sort of on the fringes of the eight to contend for a flag, they enjoy a critical mass of players all having a career best year um, at the same time. And you know, Dan Houston is one that you mentioned, and he's been a good player for quite a few years now, but I think... This year, he's elevated his game probably beyond maybe what Port Adelaide supporters would have expected. You know, he's always been good, but he's going to be in the All-Australian this team this year. I'd be immensely surprised if he's not. Um, obviously, we know what what uh, Butters has done. Rose, I think, has been probably just as good as he was last year. He kind of broke out, but he's maintained that form again. Been Layson's having a career best year. You look at other guys through the midfield who are playing their roles like Drew. So I think that it's all kind of coming together for Port, and I'm not saying that they're going to win the flag necessarily, but they have the blueprint of this critical mass of guys just performing at the absolute zenith of their ability. It's just all happening at the same time. Um, So I think that their form is real. Um, I think they'll definitely be right there in the pointy end you know one of the advantages of having that um adelaide oval fortress is if they can nab that top two spot they're every chance to be there on the last saturday in september so um i think that look it's kind of weird because you want to sort of edge out out the lions and whoever gets that second spot is going to be in with a really good shot and whoever finishes third um, we'll have a battle on their hands. But I reckon Port Adelaide will be um, second. I think that they're a much more reliable team on the road than Brizzy this year. So, yeah, I'm full of ad- admiration for for Port. And um, I suppose as for those teams sort of on the on the fringes, I reckon, and we'll talk about this, um, or the other guys will talk about this more on Thursday, but given we have that, that lump of teams all fighting it out for those spots and those two draws that have happened kind of in that quadrant of the ladder, um, yeah, Richmond-Sydney is is very much an elimination final on Thursday night. The loser of that, I think, can officially rule themselves out.
1: Yeah, uh, just quickly touching on Port Adelaide, Scott Lysett was a, a late out on uh, on Saturday night and Dante Vicentini, hopefully I'm saying that correctly, was able to, to play his first game. Mm. Looks like Scooter's going to be out for a few weeks. So um, I'm a big believer that Port can't win the flag without Scooter, and, you know, there was some talk about um, him requiring some quite substantial knee surgery, but that doesn't seem to be the case. But I think he'll still be out for two to three weeks. So uh, as Port did in that Hawthorne game where they pretty much subbed him out at halftime to get him ready for that Bulldogs game um, on the June long weekend, um, yeah, they need to wrap him in cotton wool because they can't win without him. And if I was Port Adelaide – it, when it's time time for the trade period, uh, I would certainly be looking for Port Adelaide to go and get another Ruckman just to add some extra support behind Scott Lyset. And, yeah, as you mentioned, the Richmond and, and Sydney game on Thursday night, it's going to be really interesting. I think um, that, as you said, the the loser of that game is out, but... I'll tell you one thing, if you are Richmond, you want to try and finish as high as you possibly can this year to avoid GWS getting, you know, another, Mm. well, potentially three picks inside eight to 10, depending on where they finish on the ladder. So uh, that's going to be a real wait and see. And I'll tell you what, there's some, some good games this weekend that I'm really looking forward to. Tom, I just want to ask you about North Melbourne and Kane Corns on the Sunday footy show was quite critical of North Melbourne. Now we've talked a little bit on the podcast in weeks on by myself, Ash and Nathan about um, seeing the light at the end of the tunnel from North Melbourne and seeing those improvements that would get your supporters excited, seeing the emergence of Chisel, Wardlord, Will Phillips in the midfield. Taryn Thomas, despite his troubles, has come back into the side. Um, and shown some good forming patches, but um, for a former number eight pick in the same year as Walsh, Lukosius, Rankin, mm. King, Rosie King, Smith, Thomas at eight, Blakey at nine, uh, Chase Jones as well in that top ten, and then you yeah, throw the like, year, the, but, but, but then you throw the like the Butters at twelve and things like that. So. Um, are you as negative on North Melbourne as someone like a Kane Corns who said, you know, if it wasn't for West Coast, we'd be just harping on North Melbourne so much more? And I get Kane's point a lot, but at the same time, did we not kind of expect this from North Melbourne this year? And do we need to be realistic about our expectations? Like we all went really hard at Hawthorne at the start of the year for some of the moves they made in the off season. So, um, yeah, what are your thoughts on that one?
0: I think it's probably true in the sense that if West Coast weren't such a wild anomaly or outlier this year, that there would have been probably a lot more um, scrutiny on, on North. That's only kind of um, expected, especially with their losing streak that they've they've had, was it, about 10 or 11 games now since they've – I think it's actually, 12, to be honest. 12, yeah, right. So not since that early part of the season where they looked really promising. So I think that's fair enough. Like if you're going to lose 12 games in a row, then that's that's not good enough, no matter what stage your list is in. Um. It's a hard one to judge with North. They have had obviously a, a bit of turmoil this year, and they've played certainly some really competitive footy under rats. I haven't been able to notch a win. I think back to the end of 2021, and they just had sort of breakout seasons from Taran Thomas, you know, Jai Simkin, um, Davies Uniac looked started to look really good. Jaden Stevenson had a really good first year there. Their, their core midfield was looking fantastic, and then a couple of years later, it just hasn't quite happened for them for various reasons. Some off-field, some on-field, injuries, various things like that. You know, that Horn Francis was added into that. He's now gone. They've got Wardlaw and Sheasel in now. You know, Phillips is starting to look good. But what is that core combination that is going to take them forward? That's what I'm wondering about. And it's not just the midfield because if Ben McCoy leaves at the end of the year, then, yeah, sure, they'll get probably something decent for him, but then they've got to go out and find a gun full back to, you know, fill their list build. It's not as simple as just off your pop and we'll take a draft pick. So um, I think they need to really lock in uh, their core group going forward and kind of just stick with it um, because it seems like they have a lot of turnover every year, even though notionally their rebuild kind of began four or five years ago. Yeah, it's
1: a, it's an interesting one. and. I suppose the other team that we're really critical of on this podcast has been the Gold Coast Suns. You know, we've just been waiting for the penny to to drop and no one expected them to come out on the weekend and beat Collingwood. But uh, a goalless first half ended up losing by, I believe, 82 points, something along those lines. You know, for a team that is under pressure already, it's... Um, It's worrying signs for Stewie Dew and there has been reports on Footy Classified about, you know, Damien Hardwick potentially going up to to coach the Gold Coast Suns in 2024. I still personally don't think that will happen. Uh, I think if Damien Hardwick does want a job, it will be elsewhere. I'm not saying he would – I don't think he'll go back to Port Adelaide as, Mm. you know, a lot of people have been speculating just with the way that Port Adelaide's going, uh, unless they really butcher September – uh, I think Ken Hinckley would be staying. But just with the Gold Coast Suns, like how do you assess their performance on the weekend? And uh, do you think the coach is genuinely in trouble?
0: Oh, I think he has to be. I mean, um, it's a weird moment, Judy, because everyone kind of wants the best for him. He's a really likeable character. And it seems as though the players feel that way as well. Um, some reports coming out this week that, you know, they'd be pretty gutted if he was to be moved on. Some of them even... Um, talking about how it was a big part of their motivation to re-sign with the club. But when you say that and then your performances show what they did on, on uh, Saturday, now that's a home crowd, a home ground against, you know, the biggest team in the comp the closest thing they've ever had to a sellout. And they dished up one of the worst performances they've put up in the last few years. Like, and that's saying something. So that's really disappointing. It's hard to marry up those two ideas. Um, so, yeah, I do think he's in trouble. Um, it's not as if he's kind of new either. Like he's – people will say he hasn't had a good run in it because the place was in such disarray when he took over. But, you know, the reality is that he's had a few years now and they still haven't even really come close to making finals. So as much as I'd like to see him succeed and I'd like to see the Suns play finals for the first time, I'm so by no means a, a Suns hater, I just don't think he can – last another year of them sort of bombing out of the bombing out of the season.
1: Yeah, it's just like if they could get Damien Hardwick, it's almost a no-brainer. Uh it's a bit like when they were talking about Alistair Clarkson last year. And I think they really mm. missed their shot at Alistair Clarkson last year. Yeah. Um which I think is what they genuinely proper proper needed. Um but then again like you just you see a glimpse then you see a poor performance glimpse, mm. poor performance. Um, and it's just more when's the, the the loop going to end and when when are they going to break the cycle that they've just been accustomed to for the last probably three years in particular? I remember like straight after COVID we were all out of lockdown here in Adelaide and the Crows travelled up to, to play the Suns and everyone was thinking, oh, you know, the Suns, no hope. They Matt Rowe comes out, has twenty five touches, kicked three goals, gets and and you think this is this the moment for the Suns. Mm. It just hasn't happened since then and as much as we are all kind of hoping. So um yeah, I'm of the belief that if you can get Damien Hardwick, you do it. If not, I think you just stick you just stick with him. Unless something drastically happens with Ken Hinckley, you know potentially wanting to go back to the Gold Coast Suns uh, as he was from 2010 to 2012, 2013, technically, when he came to Fort Adelaide. That might be something that the Suns could look at. But, um, yeah, is there any other teams from the weekend that you were really impressed with their their performance? Because I thought the dogs were actually quite impressive. They were able to run over Fremantle, Uh, In the last quarter, it was all pretty even up until three-quarter time and then the Dogs were just able to kick away. And considering the amount of injuries that they've got to some key players in the back line, um, I thought it was a remarkable performance from the Dogs.
0: Yeah, I mean, that ending of that game was pretty spectacular. Um, Certainly looked like it was going to go down to the wire and then the Dogs just steamrolled him in the end. So another disappointing outcome for Freo. Probably the two we haven't mentioned is... um, Carlton, I was at that game at the G on Sunday, and um, look, you know, the opposition, very, very uh, lackluster. Hawthorne, I thought that was one of their more disappointing performances for the year, but Carlton's midfield just sort of gelled a a lot more. And Sam Walsh, you know, he's getting a bit less of the footy in the past few weeks, but he's playing so much better. He's getting the ball forward. He's sort of. He's not chipping around, switching the play constantly back and forth across the middle of the field. He's getting the ball instantly, turning his body, um, rotating it towards the forward fifty, and either running the ball and or and handballing it, or just some of his laser um, kicking inside fifty was fantastic. So, I think Carlton fans will be pretty wrapped. Again, the opposition not much, but they've got their game up and running at least, um, back in form. And the other one was you know Brisbane. You mentioned briefly off the top, but they absolutely demolished Richmond and. Now the Tigers midfield had been in really good form. Um, you know, obviously Taranto, but Cochin had been playing the best footy he had for a couple of years. Um, Bolton playing sort of almost permanent on ball, absolutely killing it, and they just got absolutely wiped um by Brisbane. Dunkley went stood with Taranto, which um had a huge impact on his game whilst Dunkley was sort of off best on ground uh, at the same time. And then he went off injured and Neil just absolutely uh, munched them in the last half, just clearance after clearance. And, you know, that they are a formidable team at home and with such an epic forward line to kick to. Um, yeah, again, sort of harks back to what I mentioned earlier in the, the episode, but how the ladder falls with who finishes second and who finishes third, I think is just going to basically decide, um, may even decide the premiers. Like it's a huge, huge deal this year.
1: Yeah, and now that COVID is, you know, we're beyond COVID, you know, those home ground advantages are going to be more valuable than ever before. And, um, yeah, it's just going to be interesting to see, yeah, who finishes that second third. I think we all kind of accept at this point that Collingwood will be minor premiers unless something very drastic happens. But i tell you one thing, I cannot wait for Port Adelaide and Collingwood at Adelaide Oval. Uh, on the twenty, I think it's twenty-second of July. Like, I cannot wait for that game. Uh, the atmosphere is going to be electric. Uh, it's a battle with the prison bars uh, in a couple yeah. of weeks' time, but and it could certainly decide who uh, wins the minor premiership. Tommy, let's move into AFL fantasy for the week. It was a very high-scoring round, so I know that Nathan ended up getting twenty-four eighty-three. Which was a pretty massive score. Uh, He picked me by 23 points. I got 2460, but um, I went with Jordan Dawson as my captain after the week, uh, the massive week he had against Collingwood. Uh, I thought against North Melbourne, he would get plenty of the ball, and he got me a 136, so therefore 272. Um, I traded, I had a very, I had the big luxury of a double upgrade, so I had to trade Sicily due to his ridiculous suspension, Um, but I was able to then bring in Matt Crouch, sorry, Brad Crouch, not Matt Crouch.
0: Important clarification.
1: (laughs) Yes, Brad Crouch of the Saints and Tom Mitchell as well. So, um, you know, Brad Crouch ended up getting 137, Tom Mitchell 101, probably like Tom Mitchell to be somewhere around the 110 mark, but, Yet again, Bontempelli mm. 116, um, Zach Merritt, 114, Roan Marshall, 130, Connor Rosie, 145, uh, Sheezel got another ton. I know a lot of people have jumped off the Sheasel train, but if he's continuing to score 80, uh, sorry, 90 to hundred, you know, I feel like you just keep him and he almost plays for the entire year and Cogs, um, 105, Zach butters, 102 as well. Josh Dunkley looks like probably out two to three weeks, so he's probably a trade which uh, will probably affect a lot of the teams um, in fantasy. So, yeah, that's just a little bit how my weekend went. How was yours?
0: Yeah, so as you mentioned, a high-scoring round, I ended up with uh, 2-3-88, which is a great score normally, but it actually... was well below par. So I, I worked my way into a pretty good ranking over the course of the buys. I was sitting at about 4,000 after um, round 15. It's put me back to 5,700, which is about where I was beforehand. So kind of it's still good, but it makes me feel like I kind of undid all my good work by um, by stuffing up my captain this week. So I had Taranto and um, wasn't able to um, do the loop. After his poor score on Thursday I was stuck with his 80, um, which I think was was a really bad call by me and just sort of didn't work out how I was gonna do that uh, well enough in advance. Um, but still, yeah, very happy with the with the number. It just was kind of below um everyone else. So I managed to you know, bring in last week. I also brought in Crouch, um, and I brought in um Ah, oh, Himmelberg. Himmelberg for Yo, which was sort of um, not a very exciting pick, but he did the job. Um, so I'm hoping he can stay in the back line and, and do okay there. So, yeah, uh, I'm going to move out Dunkley this week at the moment. I've got um, Fife, who's been an absolute fizzer of a pick. He actually hasn't even played on my field the last few weeks. Uh, so good cash grab him to Sam Banks and then going Josh Dunkley to Caleb Sarong. Um, pocketing a fair bit of cash next week to hopefully move Windhager off my field and then be rookie free but we'll see how that goes
1: yeah I'm pretty I I don't really count Sheasel as a rookie anymore just because he's scoring so well but I don't have Mm. any rookies on my field at the moment um the only thing that I do want to try and get to in the next couple of weeks is uh Trading out James Warple, I've still got him from the beginning of the year. And I know that's probably a rookie mistake, and I should have got him out a little bit uh, ago. But uh, War, Warlord's probably the other one as well that I probably will look to upgrade. But at the moment, his scoring's fine for me. I don't have any dramas there. So, um, yeah, in the coming weeks, I'll probably look to down do a, a couple of downgrade upgrades. Uh, I still need to get rid of Samson Ryan off my bench. but there just hasn't really been as many rookies this year to, no. to pick from. I certainly remember a couple of years ago, it was just rookies galore. Uh, and particularly for your, your R3, that's, um, that's probably the hardest one to pick at the moment. So I know there's a few players lurking around, probably Ned Moyle will play for gold coast with wits getting a week. I'm pretty sure. So, um, yeah. and v- Byzantini for Port Adelaide's probably going to get a crack, um, as first-choice ruck for the next two or three weeks. So he might be able to be someone just to be that downgrade option to generate you a bit of cash. So um, looking forward to the weekend, we'll do a quick preview on it. The Thursday night boys will do this one. But I think the game that I'm looking forward to the most is going to be Collingwood and the Western Bulldogs and Marvel. I'm just hoping it's a really fast game. Um, lots of free-flowing footy, um, probably Buddy's last – well, it will probably be Buddy's last game in the MCG tomorrow night. So that will be one one to watch, and hopefully he'll get a, a nice little standing ovation after that game's over. But um, I think one that could be really interesting would be uh, St. Kilda and Melbourne at Marvel. So that's probably the one that I'm – those are the two, sorry, that I'm looking forward to the most. Um, and – I suppose Essendon and the Crows at Marvel, that could be a really interesting one on Sunday afternoon. So what games are you liking from the weekend to come?
0: Uh, Yeah, well, I'm going to the game tomorrow night. That's Thursday night, um, Richmond and and Sydney. I reckon that'll be, I don't know what to expect in terms of uh, the quality or the outcome, but certainly, you know, for it to be Buddy's last game um, in Melbourne, I don't think Sydney will make the finals. I think that'll be his last game. So, I think that's going to be a great occasion and a, a great spectacle. Um, that'll be awesome to see. And as we mentioned earlier, it does have, you know, significant ramifications for the loser. Um, but, yeah, I reckon and Adelaide. I think this is going to tell us a lot. Um, you know, Adelaide showed a couple of weeks ago against Collingwood that, you know, that they can compete on the road. Didn't get the win that day, but that was a really awesome performance. So to come down to Marvel, um, which is traditionally a lot easier for travelling teams to, to play at because it's a lot more in line with the size of You know the the grounds in in other states. Um, Bombers play it really well, though. Both teams kind of wanting to shore up their spot in the eight. I don't think anyone is super convinced that either of them will be there. But I think whoever wins this game is going to really kind of you know leap ahead of the other one. And I think it'll be a really exciting and um, yeah, with you know huge ramifications. So I'm looking forward to that one.
1: Yeah, and we talk about those like eight point games at the moment. As it stands, both teams are on 32 points. Adelaide with a percentage of 119, Essendon with a percentage of 106. So, you know, those um, big eight-point game just gives that little separation um, and the winner could potentially jump – well, the winner will jump up to 36 points and whether they're still in touch with the Western Bulldogs and St Kilda, depending on how their games um, venture out from the weekend, is going to be uh, really telling. the Cats can have a nice percentage booster against North Melbourne down at GMHBA Stadium. That one I always struggled to remember. Um, but yeah, it should be a really good weekend of footy.
0: Tom? Just quickly, Calum, I babe. forgot to mention one thing, that Richmond and Sydney game. I should have mentioned it. There's a two blokes debuting for the Tigers um on Thursday night. One of them, Jacob Bauer, who was drafted in the midseason draft out of the sample last year. He's kicked match-winning goal after the Sirens for the twos twice uh, this season already, the latest one being on the weekend where he was best on ground and half back for the first three quarters. They swung him forward in the last and he kicked the last three goals of the game, including after the Siren, to win it. So um, debut has been building for a few weeks, but his story this year has been pretty exceptional. So really looking forward to seeing him play.
1: That's a good one. Is he someone we should consider for AFL Fantasy with his scoring?
0: Uh, good question. I would probably say unlikely. I think he'll play forward and he's kind of that sort of third tall forward, medium forward kind of, if you imagine, like a Bailey Fritch size. Um, unlikely to score heaps unless he kicks a bag. If he was playing in the back line, he's a bit of a swing man at VFL. He tends to rack up the insert marks, but I would probably just wait a week and see what um, what minimum quality has in mind for him. But Banks on the wing, I reckon the other bloke who's debuting could be, he, he could get a, a bit of the pill out there. I'll keep that in mind. Tommy, Mm. good debut episode
1: from you, mate. Uh, mate. Hopefully you'll be able to join myself, Ash and Nathan in in weeks to come. Uh, I'm actually off for two weeks. So I'm heading off to, to Vietnam on Saturday with school holidays. So I'm really looking forward to... Uh, my couple of weeks off, but Nathan will be hosting the show on Tuesdays slash Wednesdays, depending on when we film it. So uh, make sure you go and follow the Mojo Sports AFL Instagram page for all your updates and make sure that you check out some of the other shows on the Mojo Sports Network. Tommy, excellent job tonight. Thanks so much for tuning in at home and we'll see you on our next episode. Cheers.